We thank you for listening to the weekly sermon of First United Methodist Church, Missouri City, Texas. We're a church that's making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. For more information about the church and its ministries or how we can pray for you, visit us on the web at fumcmc.org. If you desire to make a quick contribution in support of our ministries, you can text to give. Simply text the amount you want to give to 281-369-4870 and follow the instructions. And now, as you listen, we hope that you find this podcast meaningful and transformational in your journey of faith. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable outside, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm going to give you a little game plan here. First, we're going to talk about the scripture, and then we're going to talk about Mr. Rogers. And hopefully, we'll be able to see a linkage between the two conversations that we're going to have. First, about the scripture. Uh, we read in Luke, the ninth chapter, uh, the beginning of this these two verses that say uh, that the disciples were having a conversation or maybe an argument or maybe a deep discussion among themselves about who was the greatest. And, uh, and Jesus, perceiving what they were thinking about, took a little child and said to them, if you welcome a little child in my name, you welcome me. And if you welcome me, you welcome the one who sent me. And I'll tell you this, the little child is the greatest among us, and the least shall be the greatest. Now, the first half of this, I think we can understand fairly easily. This arguing about who is the greatest. Uh, it, it's like getting out your baseball cards and have a discussion of who are the, the top 10 shortstops of all time. Yes, Lord? <laughs> Baseball's off subject today. <laughs> And uh, uh, so, go home and YouTube uh, Henry Nouwen, N-O-U-W-E-N, and look at his, his sermon on the beloved. And in this, you'll see what a, a very developed statement about how we go about identifying ourselves in terms of how society teaches us about that. He says that, that one of the ways we identify ourselves is what people say about us. If, if people say complimentary things, it builds us up. If they say things that are less than complimentary, it deflates us. The, the second primary way in which we begin to identify us, ourselves, he says, is by what we do. I have uh, these credentials. I have these successes. Uh, I have or have had this 
career. <coughs> I've had these abilities. Uh, what we do becomes a reflection to ourselves of, uh, of who we are, and, and through that reflection, if we feel confident, <coughs> excuse me, and buoyed, then, then it, it builds us up, and if we have failures, we're deflated. I'm sorry. Wish you had some water. <laughs> and then the third way is that is that we identify ourselves by what we have. I have a nice family. I have a nice house. I have two cars and a truck. And soon I'm going to get a boat. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> and uh, and if, 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 we, if we have grand enough things, then we feel like we are accomplished. We've accumulated the right stuff. And now and then says, this is all a lie. This is a big lie. This is not what makes you, you. This isn't about you. What makes you, you is that you are the beloved child of God. And your identity as the beloved child of God grounds you in that which sustains, heals, completes, and, and builds you up um, and sustains you through all of the vicissitudes of life. So the first part of the text, who is the greatest, really when you look at it this way, it leads directly into what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look at this little child. This little child is, is the, the, the illustration of what real greatness is. And what is it about this little child that makes it that? I, I want to suggest that, that, that in the one instance, this child is an empty vessel. That, that is to say, this child hasn't been filled with its own sense of self to the point that it can't open itself up to uh, God's grace and spirit moving and directing it. Uh, this child is also one that has a creative imagination. Its mind is not blocked by technical questions concerns, issues, but rather is still open to the story as the story. But most importantly, I think, and I think this is clearly where Jesus is going, this child is pure love, pure love in giving, 
and pure love in receiving. When, when, when I moved to Wharton with four kids in tow and Rebecca's probably three years old or so, and uh, the first week I was there, I went to Diamond S restaurants to have breakfast. You have not heard of Diamond S restaurants? Um, I can understand why. <laughs> we walked in, and there is a man from the church who was, happened to be at breakfast that morning. Uh, he was about the same height and stature and bald head as Rebecca's uh, grandfather. And she looked up at him, and she said, Granddaddy! And she ran and jumped in his arms. And he took it just like he was her granddaddy and talked about it for years thereafter. Pure love. If you don't know about little children and pure love, folks, you haven't been a grandparent yet. So when Jesus is saying to the disciples, this little child is not full of itself. This little child is... Uh, 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 still has room for, the, for the, the power and force of the story and the spirit of God. And, and this little child, most importantly, has pure love. This is what makes you great. Then I think he's speaking to us. And I think he's also communicating uh, why Mr. Rogers was an effective communicator to children and their parents. You see, in the one instance, Mr. Rogers was so because he had uh, had an extended childhood and an ex extended period of creative imagination. I want you to see, see this clip one, what he says about his childhood. My friend, Daniel Stripe the Tiger. How'd he do? How'd he do? The interesting thing was Dad remembered being six and seven and eight and nine years old. That inner child never really went away. I had every imaginable childhood disease, even scarlet fever. Whenever I was uh, quarantined, I would be in bed a lot. I would put up my knees and they would be mountains covered with the sheet and I'd have all these little figures moving around and I'd, I'd make them talk. I had to make up a lot of my own fun. My friend, Daniel Stryker Tiger. He had to make up a lot of his own fun. He had to, he, 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 created images that talked to each other and they became the puppet images. And he carried that with him to communicate. I was totally scared. 
All right. Hey. Why does a Marty ever have this problem? <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the second piece to, to Mr. Rogers that I want you to know about is his ability to connect to children. To connect to them in that he didn't lose the child within him, but rather he could connect to them on a one-on-one basis. Um, and so I, I want you to see, I, I, I want to see the second clip and then uh, we'll talk about a second. Over time, Fred became unsatisfied with the children's corner. He thought that it was simple and slapstick. And he said he really wanted to concentrate on the seminary, so he wanted to stop for a while. His ordination was as an evangelist for television. It was pretty way out there for the Presbyterian Church. With television, Fred wanted to focus on the very young. What do you think it is? A lion, great. Back in the 1950s, there was a school of people at the University of Pittsburgh looking at early childhood education. They felt that physicians needed a training ground so that they had a sense of where human behavior was coming from from the very beginning. Dr. Benjamin Spock was part of it. Barry Brazelton, the famous pediatrician, was a part of it. Eric Erickson, the extraordinary psychologist, was a part of it. And Fred's part of that group. He, he became part of the group as a student of Margaret Farland. Fred, I think to the child, the television program between you and the child is a real relationship. Freedom to say that feelings of a young child are every bit as powerful as our adult feelings. I guess he was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. I've always felt that, that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. So I went to visit with a new nursery school. I had never met these children before, and I walked in, and there was a long stare from most of them, and one little boy by the name of Thatcher spoke first, and all he said was, my doggy's ear came off in the automatic washer, and there was silence, just complete silence. It was as if this is your test, Mr. Rogers. Are you still in touch with childhood? And so I said, sometimes that happens to toys, doesn't it? 
their ears come off or their legs come off, but that never happens to us. Our ears don't come off, our noses don't come off, our arms don't come off, and Thatcher's eyes were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and he said, and our legs don't come off? And I said, no, they don't. And immediately, all of the other children started asking questions and poignant questions. It was just as if, you know, we shall now open the door, you have passed the test, you may come in. You see, he connected the child in him with the child in them. He could communicate in that way. And, uh, and I think that's, that's, uh, that's a gift. But I, don't, I think it's not a gift that's limited to what we hope to do with little children. But it's really a gift that we want to offer one another as adults, as youth, that there's a child inside us that has a creative imagination, there's a child inside us that has, uh, has this, this uh, uh, capacity for, for openness for something new, uh, this wonder. There's a, there's a child inside us that has the capacity to love one another. And, uh, and so what he, what he finally offered to, not only to, to children, but the people that he was with was, uh, was that kind of love. And I'm gonna show you one more, and then we're gonna close out and you go to lunch. I've been talking to you for two years, and you finally heard me today. And I just collapsed into his arms. I, was, I started crying. I, that's when I knew that I loved him. There are many ways to say I love you. There are many ways to say I care about you. No man had ever told me that he loved me like that. I needed to hear it all my life. My dad never told me. My stepfather never told me. So, from then on, he became my surrogate father. I'm so proud of you, Francois. Oh, thank you, Fred. Thank Can I you. help you here? Thank you. The people who have had... I wish I could sing like that. If I could sing like that, I would sing about there are many ways to say I love you. There are many ways to say I care. And, and whenever we really do that, we're moving beyond our ego-driven reality that says there are mixed motives inside us about everything, including the way we love. But the closer we get to be like a child, 
the closer we get to more pure love, the love that is unconditional, the love that is Christ-like. And, uh, and that's what I think Christ meant when he said that unless you become like a child, um, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is about being like a child. Uh, Henry Nouwen tells a story that when he was uh, still at the Divinity School, at Yale Divinity School, there was an ex-student who came back and, and uh, asked to visit with him. And so they went out onto the lawn and uh, sat on the grass underneath a large tree. And, uh, and they just sat there in silence, just quietly sitting there. And finally, the young man looked at Nouwen and said, uh, uh, Henry, when I look at you, I see Christ. And now one said, it's the Christ in you that sees the Christ in me. And then the young man responded back, well, that means that no matter how far we're separated, always between us, the space is sacred. So I want to, I want to, change that little vignette just a little bit, tweak it a little bit and say it's the child in me that sees the child in you. And so the space between us is characterized by love. And that's the mystery of Christ moving between us that you and I are beloved sisters and daughters of God, and as such, we are freed to love, to dream, and to share in our creative imaginations what are the possibilities of the power of Christ at work within us. So my hope, my sincere hope for you and I is that we can learn from the story of Christ and we can learn from the life of Fred Rogers what it means to be little children once again together. Let us pray. Eternal God, uh, we're grateful for this word of scripture and for the challenge to reorient ourselves such that we see that true greatness is found in following you in learning to be and learn to be more childlike in learning to give and receive love in learning to be conduits of your grace. So then fill us with your spirit that as we go forth, we can do so in the vitality of your grace. For the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Now would you join hands together? Yes, yes. Would you wave at each other?
I'm not forgetting anything else, am I, John? This says blessing and benediction. Am I supposed to do my own thing, or is it? Okay. May the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, the communion with the Holy Spirit, be with you and abide with you both now and forevermore. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.